This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Taking out your Bibles to the book of John, Gospel of John, and go to John chapter 13. John 13. And as I noted in the baptistry area when I baptized the last young man, Grant Lee, that his parents are here today, Jeff and Shelly. These are longtime friends of mine, and it's kind of funny, it's ironic, but yet it's from my heart. I dedicate this sermon to them because today is the first part of a series that I'm calling Timeless. Everybody say Timeless. Timeless. And this morning, the first part of this three-week series, my subtopic is A Few Close Friends. A few close friends. You'll, you'll understand as we get into it. Timeless. A few close friends. The word timeless, man, it just suggests that something so good or something so beautiful that it stands the test of time. It's as good today as it once was, and it will be just as good after you and I are gone. And the opposite of timeless is dated. I've been called that before. Anybody else? Uh, my 12-year-old daughter says, Daddy, why do, you, why do you say things are bad when you think they're good? And I'm like, well, I'm a little stuck in the 90s because everything was, that is a bad truck. Now everything's on fleek. I took antibiotics for that one time. I don't even know what on fleek means. Everybody say timeless and everybody say dated. The opposite of timeless is dated, suggesting that something's stuck in a particular age and it's no longer relevant. In fashion, a timeless man's uh, garment would be a white dress shirt. Man, you can never go wrong with a white dress shirt if you're a fellow. If you're a lady, a strand of pearls, it doesn't matter what era of time. A strand of pearls is on fleek. It's awesome. You can't go wrong with it. It's, it's timeless. In literature, uh, to be fancy, I put to kill a mockingbird, but if I had my way about it, it would be where the red fern grows. Timeless. Classic. It stands the test of time. Throughout the Gospels, Throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus teaches us to take hold of a few timeless truths. They were were solid when he delivered them, and he knew that they would stand the test of time even until, uh, even in, in, in two rather, the hot summer months of 2018, they would stand the test of time. And one of those truths is what I preach to you today out of John And that is we all need a few close friends. Now, John 13 might be where we start, but this is what's critical that you get this. Some of you may already know it. Some of you, this might be new to you. The last night that Jesus was with us on earth, the last night is told over five chapters. John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. All those five chapters together tell the last night that Jesus was with us. 
And within those five chapters, Jesus reveals to us what a close friend looks like. Now, we're in the summer. We just started our small group semester. And I truly am preaching this message to hopefully preach you into a good group this summer. We launched it last week. It's not too late because friendships are birthed in small environments. So here we go. John 13, starting this message, verse number one, reading from the Living Bible. Jesus knew on the evening of Passover day that it would be his last night on earth. He knew it. He knew it was his last night before returning to his father. And during supper, the devil had already suggested to Judas Iscariot, the devil's already messing with Judas's mind, that this was the night to carry out the plan to portray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him everything and that he had come from God and would return to God and how he loved his disciples. Verse number four. So he got up from the supper table and he took off his outer robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet And he wiped them with the towel that he had around his waist. And when he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Master, you shouldn't, you shouldn't wash our feet like this. And Jesus replied, you don't understand now. I'm sure this is confusing. You don't understand now why I'm doing it, but someday you will. In verse number eight, Peter, he just just goes ahead and says, now, now, Master, you're never gonna wash my feet. And the reason I chose the living Bible for this particular reading as one choice word. The King James says, well, if I don't, we're not, you'll never have a part of me. But I love how the Living Bible says it. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be my partner. Everyone say partner. Everybody say partner. Jesus literally looks at him and says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't be my partner. You and I, we can't get to know each other. You'll never be close to me as I want to be with you if you don't let me wash your feet. So here we go. Let's dive into this, this, this message today. And I'm going to start off by asking the question that the 830 service, they just had a hoot with this. And 10 o'clock, it's going to be interesting. And Lord have mercy, when we get to that 1130, there's no telling what kind of response we're going to get. Is there anybody in the 10 o'clock service? Have you ever been a part of something called a foot washing service? I'm blown away with this. I figured there'd be about five of you. 8.30, it looked like a ceiling fan went off. <laughs> well, there's a few of you that lifted your hand, and then there's a few of you who are not. If you did not raise your hand, you need to right now say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I grew up in a little country church in Louisiana, and I'll never forget, boy, every now and then, about once or twice, three times a year, the pastor would call for a foot washing service and I'd come down with fever real good. I didn't want to be a part of it because I knew what foot washing service looked like. Looked like feet. And we would go up and we would separate all the men to one room and all the ladies to one room. All the boys with the men and all the girls with the ladies. And the pastor would say, y'all potting up with somebody. And I would size up one fella and I'd say, ain't no way I'm washing that man's nasty feet. And I'd look over here and I'd say, 
uh-uh, I ain't, uh-uh. I'm afraid I'll pull back and just be missing a finger or two if I tried to wash that man's feet. But I had two guys, two buddies of mine that we grew up our, our lives together in the, in the church together. And we would always look at each other and give each other that wink like, listen, man, when this thing happens and they get them little buckets out with all the water and everybody starts partnering up. You're my partner, right? Yeah, I got you. You're my partner. Because we would just like put a toe in the water and say, thank you, Jesus. It's all good. And we'd call it a day. Here's the deal. If you've ever been in a foot washing service, you know good and well, like I do, you get real close to people. Now, thankfully, thankfully, we've come to understand that the context Context is so critical, everybody. The context of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, it truly was, it was reserved for the, for, for the cultural experience because these folks didn't drive Ford F-150s. They didn't drive in air-conditioned cars. They walked everywhere. And there was a custom that when their feet would be so dirty from what, they didn't have concrete streets. When they were walking on those dirt paths, when they would come into a home, it was customary for them to remove their sandals. There was always water at the door, and they would wash their feet. But Jesus said, what you always do on your own, I want to model for you what I'm expecting of you once I depart. It's the last night that he's with them. And he says, I've got to get all this teaching out. I've got to do it all right now because one day I'm going to depart. I'm going to ascend to heaven and then the Holy Spirit's going to return. But while I'm gone, I'm, I'm here. The mighty God in Christ is here to model what I'm expecting of the church. So I'm going to wash your feet. Well, it threw him for a loop because nobody's ever done that. That's nasty. But Jesus said, here's the point. There's going to be a day that's not relevant about the washing of feet, but this never goes out of style. This is timeless. This is classic. This is what classic, true, close friends do for one another. Number one, you ready for it? They serve one another. Close friends aren't those that are just demanding to be served, but they serve. And when you can serve someone, and when someone serves you, everyone say, that's a win-win. That's a win-win. A close friendship's not one-sided. I've had some one-sided relationships where I just feel like I'm constantly giving out Knowing, knowing my luck, I don't, I'm not aware of it because I'm blind to it, but there's probably somebody across the, uh, the city saying, boy, you know that Tommy Brandon, he's a one-sided guy. I feel like he's always taking. But God has not only given me those, he's given me some relationships that are win-wins. Serving goes both ways. Here's how we know it. John 13, picking up in verse 12. Okay, we just concluded with 8. I believe it was 8. And now we're going into verse 12. Here's our first point. After washing their feet, so the washing the foot is over. After he washed their feet, he put his robe on, and he sat back down at the dinner table, and he said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me master and Lord, and you're right. You do say that well, for it's true. But because I'm the Lord and the master, I'm also the teacher, and I just taught you something. I taught you by washing your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. Everyone say serve. Why? Verse 17 tells you. Because it's the path to blessing. I'm fixing to change somebody's life by a simple summer summer. Your life will be changed 
when you stop expecting everybody to serve you and you start serving someone else. The path to blessing is when you're willing to get on your, on your knees with a robe, uh, with, a, with a, a towel rather, and some water and wash someone else's feet. Now, I know what you're thinking. You just thought, well, I thought you said we don't do that anymore. Symbolized. I was sitting in the conference this week and while my, while my body was in this room listening to sermons, my mind and my heart was in this sermon for this Sunday. And I excused myself over to my office real quick because I had to text my mother and ask her something that I couldn't come up with my own in my own mind. I said, Mother, years ago when Daddy had his major cancer surgery, I remember someone blew our minds by being there, but I cannot for the life of me remember who was it that just shocked the fire out of us that showed up at the, at the, at the, at the surgery. Well, you see, I'm from Louisiana. Mom and Dad raised me and my sister in, in, in Borgard Parish, Louisiana, and we were in the same church from when I was five or six years old all the way through high school graduation. And there were some lifelong, timeless, close friendships made. And here it was, years later, they had already moved over to Burleson, and we found ourselves at Harris Downtown Hospital in a need. Mom and Daddy have always served others, but it was their day to be served. And the ding of the elevator went off, and out from the elevator came close friends that have driven six, six and a half hours, unexpected. And you talk about watching grown adults Break, thinking, what? You, you, you're here? And it was obvious. The signal being sent was, I'm here to wash your feet. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to bless you. And then there's others in this service. There was in the early service, and, and there'll probably be more in the third service. They didn't even hardly know mom and daddy yet. They'd only been here for a year or two. And there are people in this service right here that you walked in with plates of cookies. Thank you, Jesus. You walked in with, with, with plates of cookies and with a warm hug and you, and you, and you welcomed uh, them into your hearts and you're still friends today. Jesus is telling us in John 13, you need a close friend. You need a friend that you can be so close to that you'll serve them on the mountain of celebration and you'll serve them in the valley of, of trial. You need a friend in your life. The night's just starting. <laughs> He's already finished his meal. And the night's just starting. And the revelation of what we do is just beginning. Because we go over to John 14 if you want to see it. And by the way, I always fail to do this when I start. It always hits me when I'm, it's too late. But if you care to, our sermon notes are always provided for you in our app. If you have that app, you can see these scriptures for your own self there. John 14 and 1 says... Jesus speaking, everybody's upset. You've got to think about the context. He's just washing their feet and they say, why are you doing this? He says, because I'm about to leave. This is my last night with you. No, you can't leave. They're all distraught. They're worried. They're broken. They're troubled. In John 14 and verse 1, Jesus says one more thing about being a close friend. He says this to them and he says this to us. And now it's our job to say this to other people. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. Close friends, encourage one another. Everyone say encourage. But it gets better than this. He didn't just say don't let your hearts be troubled. The remaining part of John 14, Jesus talks about heaven. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock some of you. Some of you are going you're gonna to stop Facebooking because of what I'm about to say and you're gonna, you're gonna stop Facebook and you're gonna go, what did he just say? I missed that. What did he just say? It didn't sound right. Tell me what he said. And your husband's gonna say, you would have heard it if you weren't Facebooking. You ready? Close friends don't tell close friends that everything's gonna get better because it may not. Casual acquaintances, hey man, I heard about that bankruptcy, bro. It's gonna be better. You're gonna be all right. I've got I've got people in my life that come. You'll be good. You'll, you'll, you'll be good, and they keep going. Acquaintances say, hey man, I heard about your kid. Don't, man, don't worry about it, man. They're gonna be all right. They'll 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 end up finding themselves. Acquaintances say, man, I'm sorry about your loss. I hate to hear that, but you, you'll you'll be okay. Just give it a few days. It'll be okay. No, 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 no. Those are acquaintances. Close friends, they always say these things. They always go to another level, another level, and they keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And he talks about heaven. And a close friend will not just pat you on the back and tell you everything's going to be better A real close friend, a timeless friend, will pat you on the back and say, guess what? This old world we're living in, I know it's tough. But some glad morning, we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming back for who? You and me. And joy is ours to share. A close friend would say, oh, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have, we're going to walk and talk and sing and shout when, when we get over yonder. Close friends never just casually pat you on the back and say, suck it up, brother. It's going to be okay. Close friends say, you know what? That really stinks that you're dealing with that. But I'm going to be in this with you. And some glad morning, you and I, we're going to get on the other side of all this stuff that we're dealing with in life. Sickness, uh, uh, letdowns, disappointments, heartaches and heartbreaks. We're going to get over all this because Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. What do close friends do? Close friends, they serve and they encourage to the ultimate degree, spiritually. I'm preaching better than you're amening. There you go. Somebody just say it right now. Say, man, that's really good. Thank you. I, I felt the same. I'm glad you're in agreement with me. Hebrews 3 and 13 says, when did we do this? When do we encourage? Well, Hebrews 3 and 13 says, encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today. <laughs> what day is this? Today. Any day you wake up. Matter of fact, any day that ends with why. <laughs> encourage. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What sin's deceitfulness? That nothing's ever going to get better than what it is. 
Why do you think over this last week that every news channel that you've watched since Monday has been focusing on the fact that suicide rates are up 28% since the year 2000? And every news broadcaster, they go into the same spiel and they say, you need to find someone and encourage them today. Find someone and encourage them today. Kind of like they're on to something new. That's not new. It was the word of God. The word of God said, encourage someone. When? Every day. Why? Because sin's Deceitfulness will make them think that there's no hope for anything better. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus knew then what would be good enough for today. It's encouragement. Stop trying to do life alone. You're going to be miserable alone. You need a partner. And you need Jesus as your partner. And you need me or someone else in your life as your partner. Because we're going to be called on to serve one another. And we're we'll be called on to encourage one another. And we don't encourage with just little casual slaps on the back. No, we say, listen to me. You hang in there and you fight the good fight. Because we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant one day. And we're going to get over this world into the eternal world that he's going to prepare for us. It's going to be better. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. All right. <clears throat> Hey, the night's still young. It's only 14. Let's look into John 15. It gets even better. John 15 tells us that not only are we to serve one another and and encourage one another, but we're called on by the Holy Spirit in today's context. We're called on to produce with one another. We're going to produce. We're going to have some fruit on the tree in this thing called life. You can't do it by yourself. How do I know? Well, John 15 verse 4 says in the NIV, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Somebody real quick, just tell me your favorite fruit that grows on a tree. Anybody? Okay, just one person. Pear. Herd pear. Herd pear. Go to a pear tree. Cut the limb off. Go ahead and put that limb in your back in the bed of your pickup and next year go to that limb and harvest the pears off of it. No, you just harvested a real good spanking stick because <laughs> it's going to be dried up and thin and whippy. Woo, somebody talk to me. I better be careful. The day we're living in, I'll be out. I promise I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It's just a sermon illustration. Check it out, everybody. Christ said, you go try to produce fruit on your own. It's not going to work. You better stay connected to something that's alive. You better stay connected to a close friend that will produce with you. You can't do all that God's calling you to do on your own. You have to have others around you that have your back, that's willing to serve with you, that's willing to encourage you when you're wanting to quit. If you'll stick with someone that loves you, you will produce greater than you can on your own. <laughs> the guy that was on the keyboard earlier, his name's Jeff Downs. Is, um, Jeff's here from 6 o'clock on. I hope he's, he's probably back there taking a nap right now. Who knows where he's at. But Jeff, if you've never met Jeff, Jeff is as strong as an ox. And one time I needed a piano moved in my house. And, and Denora said, who's going to move that piano? I said, who's going to move that piano? <laughs> For real? <laughs> Have you lived with me this long? <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> me. 
And she said, baby, you can't move that piano by yourself. I said, what? Watch. Well, after three back surgeries, in all seriousness, I couldn't do it. I couldn't budget. So I called Jeff and Tim. They're brothers, and they're both just so strong. They're just they're just thick, strong country boys. And they showed up, and I said, now, this is the plan, gentlemen. Jeff, if you'll get on this end of the piano, and Tim, if you'll get on the other end of the piano, I'm going to get the door for you. <laughs> I've thought about this. And so help me God, Tim Downs, that little rascal, he said, you don't need to. We'll get the door. <laughs> they knew where I fit in the equation. Deuteronomy 32 and 30. Somebody needs to hear it today because you've been banging your head against the wall in life wondering why nothing's working out, why nothing's happening for you. Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says, one man will chase a thousand to flight. Two put, two, uh, put 10,000 to flight. When you come into agreement with close friendships that's serving one another, that, that are encouraging one another. You start making things happen in production when you join together. Now, let me help you here. Small groups are incredible avenues for addition in your life. Small groups, you add a friend to your world. A friend for summer months uh, or six weeks of summer semester. In the spring, in the fall, you get 10 weeks of being able to adding a friend to your life. But then every Sunday, we go into multiplication. Because every single Sunday, all around this campus, will be hundreds and hundreds of people that instantly multiply your production. Here's a simple illustration. If I found out there was a gentleman in Lithuania that wanted to start a new church, maybe Denor and I could come up with a $100 offering, even a $1,000 offering. That's one thing that we could do. But if I had a small group that could all do the same, man, I'm up to $5,000 now. But guess what the church has done? For the last many years, we've been doing $1,000 every month, every year, for years upon years. And now in August, there's 15 of you that are taking seven days out of your busy schedule to go to Lithuania to see what? The fruit that you've been producing. Everything changes whenever you partner with somebody. It multiplies. So my little offering with your little offering and your little offering and somebody in the 830s little offering, all of a sudden we're building a church and they had four people baptized last week in Lithuania and we played a role in that. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. Multiplication. It's production. John 16, we're almost there. We've covered 13, 14, 15, now 16. Jesus says in verse 1, all this I've told you. I've told you about washing feet. And I've told you about heaven. And I've told you about staying connected to the vine. I've told you all this so that you will not go astray. Astray. The word literally means a snare that's in your path that you cannot see. Close friends, protect one another. You need somebody in your life that can know you, meaning they understand you, K-N-O-W, but you also need somebody in your life that will capital N, capital O, exclamation point you. They will know you. Don't go there. Don't, don't do that. 
I've been watching and you're, you're, you're drifting off into this. Don't, you need to stop it right now. You don't need to talk about your marriage that way. You don't need to talk about the church that way. You don't need to talk about your job that way. You don't need to do that. Why? Because there's a snare in your path. You're just a few more sentences away of talking yourself into divorce. You're just a few sentences away of, of talking yourself into giving up on your family. You don't need to do that. Good friends, close friends, have the authority in your life not to just get you and know you and understand you, but they know you. And Jesus said, I've told you all that I've told you because I don't want to see you go astray. I don't want you to become a victim into a snare that you can't see. What's the snare in the context of the last night of Jesus? That they can be on their own. You got to get this. The larger view of the theological expression being made is, Jesus says, I've come of the virgin birth. I've ministered to you. It's, it's, I've been here about 33 and a half years, and now I'm going to die for you, but I'm going to ascend. The Holy Spirit's coming for all this, for all of this, so that the world can be saved. But you can't do that on your own. And therefore, the birth of the New Testament church was given. Are you tracking with me right now? And there's a lot of you that are trying to be, you're, well, you're not trying to be. You're living isolated from the crowd. And you wonder why that the nights are longer than the days. And you wonder why that the pain hurts more than the victories are celebrated. It's because you're trying to do life by yourself. And this pastor's come by and this simple little message out of the book of John to tell you that Jesus is telling you that we're better when we're together. We is better than me. You need the church. And guess what? The church needs you. And then last but not least, I close today out of 17. John 17, verse number 1, and then verse number 9. John 17, the last words Jesus he says that he looked to heaven and he prayed father I pray for these that you've given me I believe with all my heart that God has given you close friends and a friend that prays together is a friend that end up in heaven together And if you end up in heaven together, that means you went through hell to get there. Stay connected to the body of Christ. In the hot summer months, get into a small group that's making a difference. Be faithful to church on Sundays where you're multiplying your efforts. Be faithful in prayer, serving, encouraging, protecting, producing. And before you know it, What you've done for yourself is you've built a timeless life. These are qualities of Christianity that were good then, and they're still good today. Let's stand together this morning. I want to pray over you today in dismissal. And before I get to praying for you as a collective body, I want to pray over someone individually. I want you to bow your heads and I know that you've got things to do but nothing's more important than this moment right here. 
I told you a few minutes ago that I would do this, so here we go. Is there anyone here today that would give me about 20 more minutes of your day and allow me to baptize you today in the next service? It'll be quick and easy and you're off on your way. Is there anybody? Would you lift your hand real quick if you've been contemplating water baptism and you know that today's the day. Today's the day. Would you lift it up where I can see it real quick? Lift your hand if you know that today's the day for your baptism experience. All right. Now, with every eye closed and head bowed, real quick before we go home. If you're in this room and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, and you've heard about a friendship through a message today that made you realize the ultimate friendship is with Jesus. If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins and ask him into your heart as Savior, would you lift your hand? I want to pray over you today. If today's the day that you're ready to give your life to Jesus. All right. Let's pray this together before we go home. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to give you my life, to repent of my sins, to ask you into my heart as Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord, for this message, and I make this message my own. May it take root into my spirit. May it not be soon forgotten. Father, I pray for those that you've given me. You've given me some close friends, and I'm believing in Jesus' name you'll give me even more. Let me not just be a taker in the relationship, but let me play a role in offering something that creates a win-win. I thank you for our church. I bless our church in the summer months as we grow closer together than ever before. I believe it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands before we go home. Awesome. All right, everybody. I love you. Thank you so much for attending.